Hello and welcome to The Brain Care Podcast, a practical and impactful series of snappy episodes on how to optimize your mental health and performance so you can reach your full potential. My name is Dan Murray-Serta, and I'm the co-founder at Heights. We make smart supplements and clever content with the world's leading experts to help you take care of your brain so it can take care of you. On the show today is Patrick Holford. He is a nutrition expert, leading spokesman, and the author of 45 books last time I counted, including the Optimum Nutrition Bible, the LoGL Diet Bible, and many, many more brilliant books. Patrick, it was 45 last time we spoke. How many is it currently, and what's your latest book? It's 46. Uh, the latest book is The Five-Day Diet, which is about the very interesting area of uh, what's called autophagy or autophagy and how you can trigger a cellular renewal in a five-day process. It's also called fasting mimicking diet. Uh, This is really one step ahead of intermittent fasting. Amazing. All right, so Patrick, just for those that don't know you, a quick introduction to yourself to get us acquainted, please. Well, I'm originally a psychologist, and uh, I got interested in the late 70s principally in two things. One was the major cause of mental distress, which was schizophrenia. That's at the extreme end. Uh, And the other was the thing that I think we need the most of, which is intelligence. So I got interested in intelligence and schizophrenia, and I was studying the brain and its chemistry. And that inevitably led me into the world of nutrition. And I was amazed. I came across uh, one man, the uh, head of research in Canada, who was treating schizophrenia with high doses of vitamins. It it was quite astonishing. The first ever, I later learned, randomized placebo-controlled trial in the history of psychiatry. So I jumped on a plane and went to meet him, Dr. Abram Hoffer, said, how many people have you treated with this mega-vitamin approach, which was new to me? And he said, about 3,000. I said, what is your success rate? He said, 85% cure. I nearly fell off my chair. I said, I've never seen a, a cured schizophrenic. What do you mean by cure? And he said, free of symptoms, able to socialize and paying income tax. Now, I had never seen a schizophrenic paying income tax. So I said, I want to meet these people. I hung around for a few days, met people who were formerly insane, who are now clearly sane. And uh, then I said, I have one more question for you, which is, can I be your student? Cut a few years later, 1984, together with the wonderful Dr. Linus Pauling, uh, who was twice Nobel Prize winner, 48 PhDs, the man who, when Einstein was asked, are you a genius, said, if you want a real genius, it's Linus Pauling. I formed the Institute for Optimum Nutrition to start a revolution, a new profession called nutritional therapy. And we've now got about 10,000 nutritional therapists. And ever since then, I've been um, deeply involved in root causes of disease, the role of nutrition, and particularly in relation to brain health. And just to give people some background, so uh, he has slightly more PhDs than you've written books, and now you sound like you're under-accomplishing, if anything. (laughs) Yes, uh, something like that. I mean, Linus Pauling has such an extraordinary mind, and what really got him started, and Dr. Abram Hoffer got him into this, was vitamin C, because as a chemist, as a genius chemist, he was introduced to this extraordinarily simple molecule. I mean, it's only four steps removed from sugar. He noticed four things fundamentally. One, all animals make vitamin C, and they make it in rather large amounts. A rat, for example, our body weight equivalent makes three grams. One gram is 20 oranges, so 60 oranges worth. A goat makes over 10 grams. The question to him was, why are they making so much, and why don't we make it? Because primates have lost the ability to make it. 
What he discovered was that animals who make it are not prone to viral diseases like we are, and nor are they prone to cancer. And that, for example, is why dogs and cats and rats and goats and sheep and cows don't get COVID, but we do. Bats do as well, or at least they can carry it because they don't make vitamin C. Also, what fascinated him, because he'd never seen this before, was something where 10 milligrams, barely a grain of vitamin C, can stop you dying of scurvy, which, which killed 2 million sailors in the you know, 17th, 18th, 19th century. And yet you could take 100,000 milligrams of vitamin C. It's non-toxic. You will get loose bowels for sure. And that's actually less toxic than water, because if you drink 10 liters of water in a few minutes, you will die. So here's something incredibly non-toxic, incredibly powerful. And at the age of about 60 or late 50s, he discovered this and spent the last 39 years of his life exploring the chemistry of vitamin C. And in the, in the 70s, realized and actually wrote that the answer for a sort of epidemic flu was to take a gram of vitamin C an hour upon first symptoms. And uh, he was right. And uh, we've ignored it. And consequently, people are dying and they don't need to. There's one rather large country that is totally on board with vitamin C, and that's China. Unless one sort of thinks everything is totally suppressed, you might have noticed that China don't seem to be having a massive problem. And I'll give you an example of that. I've actually got a book here, it's called Flu Fighters, coming out in China this week. And the, the publisher was explaining why their cover and their back cover makes absolutely no mention of pandemic. Uh, or COVID? And the answer is that no one is relating to it at all. So what happened uh, in SARS, you know, pre-COVID, is that they'd started to use vitamin C and it worked. So as soon as COVID struck, well, within a month or so, they started running studies and experiments using vitamin C at two levels. One was intravenously in intensive care units and the other was population studies. In Wuhan, what they actually did, and this is all documented, is they shipped in 50 tons, which is 50 million grams of vitamin C on the 2nd of February. And every person who tested positive was given vitamin C and every health worker was given vitamin C. And meanwhile, they started the first randomized placebo controlled trial on critically ill patients on ventilators. So half of them got basically sterile water in the drip and the other half got um, 24 grams of vitamin C. And what happened was they had 80% less death in the seriously ill COVID patients on the vitamin C versus placebo. The equivalent result of the steroid study, uh, dexamethasone, which we all started to go crazy about, and steroids are terribly important in intensive care for COVID, uh, was um, a 30% reduction in death. So we're looking at double the effect of vitamin C. And I remember in December when I was interviewing the professor Xiong Peng at Zhongnan University Hospital in Wuhan, I said to him, how's life in Wuhan? He said, I have not had a single COVID patient in my intensive care unit since the end of April last year, a single one. So we've got a country who's, who've done two things that we didn't do. I mean, they did a very strict lockdown and track and trace and all that sort of stuff. But they've used vitamin C in the population and they've used it intravenously in intensive care units. From the very beginning, I'm, I work with a group of professors. I mean, the head of NHS Wales, uh, Emeritus Professor of Pharmacology at Oxford University, top professors in the States on emergency medicine in New Zealand, all over the world, top professors. 
including, by the way, the head of research at Chelsea and Westminster Intensive Care Unit, uh, Dr. Marcella Viscacipi, who is actually using vitamin C. We've supplied all the evidence. Do you remember it was SAGE was the group originally that were the experts and it was not very transparent. And then SAGE turned into nerve tag, uh, became less transparent, and now it's turned into what's called rapid C19. And then we have NICE, the National Institute of Clinical Excellence. We have Public Health England. We have the Scientific Advisory Committee of Nutrition. And we've been supplying these groups with the science all along and asking, will you review it? Will you review it? Will you review it? And so far, we've had you know, absolutely nothing. So the message I've been trying to get across to you and everyone you know is very simple, is that if you get any first sign of a cold or flu, you have to raise your blood level of vitamin C very high. And you don't do that with one gram, one vitamin C pill. You do it with one gram an hour, and you do it until your symptoms go away. And in most cases, they'll be gone in, in 24 hours. I mean, in one study, when people were given eight grams across the day on first symptoms, and that's terribly important, 46% of people were symptom-free by the end of 24 hours. We have one study in America which gave people eight grams of vitamin C. These were to outpatients who were not hospitalized and had COVID, and they got 18% less sort of duration of colds. They had a 70% improved recovery rate. So it worked, but the trouble is that we don't know because the authors won't disclose it. One assumes, you know, if you got COVID, you're not going to go to hospital or a cold symptoms. You wouldn't go on day one to the hospital. Maybe you wouldn't go on day two, but you might go on day three or possibly four. And then they have to test you uh, for, you know, to be COVID positive, And then you get admitted to the trial. So uh, it's a very big difference if you start the minute you get symptoms. Vitamin C is not like any other nutrient. It's not like any of the B vitamins or vitamin A. We are part of a small group of animals, primates. Guinea pigs is another, and that's why the guinea pig is the experimental animal of choice, who happened in our jungle-dwelling, fruit-eating evolution to have lost the ability to make vitamin C. So to sort of paint the story as to how this happened, some monkey got some genetic defect that knocked out one of the steps that turns the sugar you eat into vitamin C, and as a consequence, couldn't make vitamin C. Why didn't they die off? Well, simple reason, they were in a jungle. A gorilla will eat four and a half grams of vitamin C a day. That's like 90 oranges worth. So vitamin C is abundant in a tropical environment. Uh, what would be the consequence of not making vitamin C? The answer is suddenly there's a whole lot of glucose, which would have been used to make vitamin C, available for energy. So basically, this, this lucky fellow um, sort of became top shagger, in effect. And uh, gradually, all the rest died off, and you've got this gene pool from which we originate. So primates don't make vitamin C. And that simple twist might, in some cases, have helped our evolution, you know, with more energy and so on. But uh, it's also decimating us now from cancer and, and viral diseases. Why do you think that people aren't receptive to what sounds like an incredibly compelling bunch of reasons? Is, is vitamin C, like, politicized in some kind of way we don't understand? Are people anti-supplementation? What's, what's the deal? I think basically vitamins are politicized. Certainly, you know, within the UK medical profession, there's just this sort of anti-vitamin stance. It comes from 
probably money at the end of the day if you really look at it. The point is that if you have a naturally occurring substance like vitamin C, you can't patent it. And if you can't patent it, it's generic. Anyone can sell it. It's cheap. I mean, I was talking to my friend at Oxford University who sat in on the lecture on diabetes. And at the end of the lecture, the lecturer talked for seven minutes about nutrition and diabetes and said that is the only nutrition you're getting in your medical training. So you have to understand that medicine doesn't educate about nutrition. The journals are largely owned and controlled by the pharmaceutical industry, so they don't publish about nutrition. Uh, there's very little money. Uh, I mean, my major project, which I hope we'll get a chance to talk about at another podcast on dementia, there's so much uh, nutrition and dementia, but no money for it at all. When I say no, I mean UK government over 10 years put 200,000 into dementia prevention pounds, that is, very little of which was spent on nutrition. And uh, Big Pharma spent, I think, $30 billion. You know, that's the sort of difference. So vitamins are marginalized and assumed, you know, that as long as you eat a well-balanced diet, you can get all the nutrients you need. And I want to just say one thing as we close this one on vitamin C. Do you know the single reason why we all need to supplement, not just vitamin C, but other things too? Can't say I do, which is embarrassing. Okay. Uh, most people don't. It's very simply, we do not eat enough. Uh, for 99.99% of humanity's evolution, we were physically active. Even if you go back just you know 200 years before there were fridges, before there were cars, the average uh, guy in, in Greece or in Crete was walking seven miles a day. And so we were eating at least double, if not three times, the calories that we were eating. And of course, all the food was organic and whole. So in other words, if you take our brain, just as an example, our brain has evolved to interact with and use the amount of zinc and the amount of omega-3 and you know, magnesium and vitamin C and B vitamins, you know, etc., that you would get um, from a quantity of, of food that was at least double, if not triple, what we eat today, and whole and organic. So because we don't need to exercise, everything's push button, uh, we don't eat enough. If you want to be as well nourished as somebody was 200 years ago, you have to supplement today. That's fantastic. Patrick, thank you so much for all your wisdom and insights. And as you've suggested, I think we should do another episode on Alzheimer's and dementia and the role of nutrition. So let's come back and discuss that. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Brain Care Podcast. Don't forget to leave us a review and subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes and follow us at Your Heights on Instagram and Twitter for daily doses of brain care. If you want to know more about how well you're feeding your brain, you can head to yourheights.com forward slash brain food to get your free score from 1 to 100 and start taking action from there. See you next week.